Dog Works Radio is sponsored by Alaska Dog Works. Check out their website at alaskadogworks.com. Start your day tomorrow with the Daily Dog with Michelle Forto, the morning podcast on Dog Works Radio. Apple podcast reviewer Patty Christensen calls it funny, smart, and filled with all the info I want to know about dogs. I love this show. Wake up with the Daily Dog, available on Dog Works Radio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert Forto and you're listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. RadioFreePalmer.org is our live streaming site. You can hear all of our episodes over on DogWorksRadio.com. You can also find us on social media, searching for Dog Works Radio. And calling in today from Alaska are two ladies that operate the August Fund. It's Janine Armour and Julie St. Louis. Julie and Janine, how are you today? Doing well, thanks. I'm great. How are you doing, Robert? I am well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the show today. If we could, when we talk, if you could just say your name, say, hey, this is Julie when we talk, and then we'll know who's talking, okay? Um, My name is Julie St. Louis, Uh, originally from New York State, northern New York State, and uh, funny, so is Janine, but she can tell you that, and uh, I ended up in Alaska by way of Washington, D.C., and working for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Ended up having a, a brief stint running a pet supply shop in Girdwood, where I encountered um, the mushing community um, through Nick Petit, actually, who was the Girdwood musher who wanted, uh, you know, to run Iditarod, and he ran with Jim Lanier's um, Northern Whites dogs, and uh, and then we noticed that lots of um, you know, several dogs at Jim's kennel were older and weren't, um, uh, you know, running anymore. So it kind of started from there. But I'll let um, Janine tell you about her, too, and go from there. But right now I'm a freelance writer, and we also have the August Fund. So, Janine, tell us about yourself, please. As Julie said, I'm also from New York State. I grew up in western New York State, um, outside Rochester, um, which is pretty funny because Julie and I uh, didn't ever meet until we uh, lived in Alaska. And um, basically, I lived... Hold on. Sorry, I have a dog freaking out right now. Jack, stop. <laughs> Life of the dog. Um, and so I lived in uh, Girdwood, and uh, Julie had the pet store there. And... Um, Stop it, dogs. Um, and so uh, August, um, Julie, like you told you, had started noticing the need um, for retired sled dogs um, to, to maybe be placed in some homes. And um, August was actually staying there and had ended up escaping from somebody that was uh, watching him for Julie, and he was hit by a car. Um, and Julie and I didn't really know each other much at this point, and I had heard about um, August's plight and that he uh, needed some help to be fixed. So I went ahead and started raising some money, um, brought it over to Julie, was introduced to Julie officially and August, 
Um, long story short, fell in love with August. And Julie said, I think he wants to go home with you. So he came home with us. I fell in love with old sled dogs. And, and that was kind of the way the August fund was formed, I guess. <laughs> so you guys operate a, um, uh, is it a nonprofit? Is that right? Yes, we have nonprofit status now. This is Julie. Um, we do officially have nonprofit status now, so um, uh, which affords us, you know, some things like uh, tax deductible donations and, um, you know, uh, working with vets that want to work with nonprofits and, um, you know, other things like that. So it's it's been a good thing to do. Um, and has helped us, you know, evolve over the years. We started this in 2012 and it's, we've just kind of built it slowly, trying not to get overwhelmed with numbers of dogs and try to, um, grow smartly as we can. And, um, now we're, we're really, um, evolving to get the word out more and getting our official, um, facility license so we're fostering dogs and other things like that so it's it's um it's it's been good we you know Janine and I both love dogs and we really felt after the whole situation with August people kept coming into the shop saying well hey this is great why don't you keep helping the dogs you know um forget the mushrooms <laughs> help the dogs so it's uh it's been actually quite rewarding and these dogs are pretty amazing so it's easy to help them so the august fund is an organization that helps place retired iditarod dogs to 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 regular families homes you know for for families that are looking to uh op or foster or own one of these retired sled dogs so janine you'd mentioned that you have august now and you're knee deep into this nonprofit with Julie. Where does it stand right now? Where does it look in terms of um, where you're getting your dogs from? Are you getting them from only in Alaska? Are you getting them from other places? And where are they being placed? Is it just here in Alaska or is it otherwhere? Julie, um, one thing I want to mention though, it's not just I did a rod dog, it did start that way. But it's Iditarod, Yukon Quest, and we also work with uh, professional sprint mushers. And so our niche is dogs that ha are, are with racing kennels, um, dogs that have that history. Um, uh, you know, there are dogs that are born huskies that some people try to, you know, train. And they're sort of backyard dogs. That's, that's a whole other other thing entirely, we uh, work with the racing kennels, whether it's sprint or distance, because those dogs tend to be very well-trained, very well-socialized, because they have to be. They're on the race trail. They're handled by vets. They're, um, you know, handled by, you know, volunteers. And so they really are pretty special dogs. And since they've been trained since birth, they, they learn really fast. Even if they started out outside in a kennel, uh, they can go inside pretty quickly and learn what you want them to do and adapt. And some mushers actually have dogs, like Sebastian Schnull has 20 dogs in his living room often. So it's not <laughs> uncommon that, you know, some mushers actually have dogs in their house. And then some, you know, don't. They're more utilitarian. But like I said, once the dog finds the couch depending, you know, it might take them 
uh, a week, some some dogs immediately hop on the couch, and then others take, you know, a while, a few months. Um, but once they find it, sometimes it's hard to get them off the couch <laughs> after. So yeah, um, I was going to jump in real quick too and say, you know, that's one of the most heartwarming things. This is Janine, obviously, um, about taking these dogs, you know, who've lived and you know, for the most part, just been working dogs their whole life and watching them to turn into, you know, kind of a, a quote unquote normal dog, you know, that lives on the couch and, and gets treats and stuff. And it's, it's, you know, they work so hard and they're so eager to please their humans. That's almost like starting with a puppy in one sense, but they're so smart. They pick up really quick on everything and, um, and, and learn the, the indoor life, um, pretty quickly. And you were asking too, about if, um, it's just Alaska that we placed them. We've actually placed them in, I'm not, do you know, Julie, how many states that we've actually placed other dogs in? Well, we have California, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, Washington state, um, New York state. Um, uh, trying to think where else, um, there's quite a few. We have yeah, one guy, quite a few other one states. One guy in California. One guy in California has adopted how many now? I think five is he at? I think he's <laughs> five up to five or six. Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't have. I mean, obviously, he's adopting them when they're older, and they they right now he has two at a time. But um, he yep. has. Uh, yeah, he and his wife have adopted. Once they started with one, they kind of went from there, or two actually they started with two and. Um, cause I kind of said, Hey, you know, you really should just take two, but, uh, uh, he's, you know, gone from there and now they just, they keep coming back for more cause they're just wonderful, wonderful dogs. You know, they're in retirement. They usually retire about eight years old or so, sometimes 12 depending. And by then they've, they've, uh, you know, they're ready to just be active still like hiking and skijoring and even recreational mushing. Um, but they're not going to need, uh, you know, to run a thousand miles like they do when they're two or three. So it turns out to be a really great, great opportunity for people to have an active companion, but, um, but also one that's, you know, really easy to, to train. So are you guys set up as sort of like a, a normal rescue in terms of, um, you know, the application process and, and all of that. And if so, what is your process for folks that are looking to adopt one of these dogs? Well, this is Julie. We don't necessarily call ourselves a rescue per se, because we don't feel like in a lot of ways, we don't feel like we're rescuing um, because the dogs aren't neglected for the most majority we're of the dogs like a, are a go between. Yeah. Right. A facilitator, okay. I think, is probably the way to put it. You know, a lot of the, the dogs are are well-fed, very um, healthy, and they just have, you know, probably eight. They live to be 16 or, or more, you know, so they have a lot of years left. And so, we, yeah, we look at it as more like a facilitation of people who um, would be a good fit for these active, active retirees. And so our process is people, we, we put, um, you know, we learn from a musher that um, he has, he or she has however many dogs, one maybe, or it could be they're, they're selling out their kennel and retiring from mushing. And so it could be a dozen dogs. Uh, and so we find, find out and we get pictures and we post the pictures on Facebook and our website. Mostly the Facebook is the most up-to-date. 
we post pictures, we get a bio of each dog from the musher and all the different details and any stories. And then people can go on there and um, ask to, to meet a dog. Um, there's an application they fill out. And then it's a $150 um, adoption fee. And depending on whether the dog's spayed or neutered, sometimes we waive it. Sometimes, you know, it just depends. Um, and then we'll we'll be a go-between. Either the mushers will keep the dogs until, like, Karen Hendrickson adopts out quite a few of her dogs. But we list them on our website, and we advertise um, through Facebook. And people then go to her and meet the dogs, and she chooses, and she selects and has them sign her contract. And then there's mushers who would rather, you know, not deal with people as much. So we do that. We meet the people, and we foster the dog, and, you know, we um, go through the process with the person. And then we just keep the mushers up to date on where their dogs end up. And that was actually my next question. If the musher uh, doesn't keep the dogs, as you had mentioned, where do they stay uh, in that time? Do you have a facility, a dog yard or so, or do they go to other mushers, like sort of like a foster system? Well, we have a couple of things we do. We, we have a foster. I have a foster spot here um, where I am in Chugiak, and depending on the dog and how they're socialized and what what who they get along with and things like that they could start out in a uh a pen area which are just separate kennel areas um not uh you know with a dog house no chains just a, a pen uh, or they might come directly right in the house and start out that way uh it just depends on what they're comfortable with some dogs will run right in the house and others need a bit of a transition period so, and then we also have another person in Wasilla named Holly Thorson, who uh, runs what she calls Fort Husky, and she's been taking several um, fosters. She she prefers the oldest ones, like the 12 to 15 year olds, and so if we have an older one, we'll send it her way, and she'll you know work with them and bring them into her cabin. Um, same kind of setup as here. And then we have other people uh, who who volunteer to uh, foster one dog now and then. And then we also have Arctic Tales, which is a doggy daycare and boarding facility in Anchorage. And they uh, approached us, actually, because of Janine and August. August stayed there. (laughs) Because August did the work, let's be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you can tell them about that part if you want, Janine. Yeah, this is Janine. Yeah, um, I had uh, had to go out of town and had boarded um, my other dog, Jack, in August at a a different place in Anchorage um, for a few days. And then long story short, down the line, the folks that run Arctic Tales um, had remembered me, and I had told them about August and the August Fund, and they just loved August so much and thought the August Fund was just such a great idea that once they moved on to opening their own place, um, they wanted whatever they could do um, to to be involved with the August Fund. So now they actually take um, different fosters in to live at Arctic Tales um, and work on putting them in uh, loving forever homes. So it's really great for the retired 
sweat dog because they get to hang around with other dogs and awesome people all day and at the same time um, work towards getting into some great homes. And so far, that's been a success. So my next question, guys, is regarding uh, the folks that um, adopt these guys. Are these primarily, um, you know, non-musher families or folks, or or, are most of them uh, mushers themselves and already know what to expect from, you know, the Alaskan Husky or the Siberian or whatever dog comes around? And what is their first impression of the dogs if they're not used to this type of dog uh, in their household? Um, well, this is Janine. I think I can take on some of that. Generally, um, most of the dogs have gone to homes that um, are not, quote-unquote, mushers. I know some of our younger dogs or dogs that still have um, a good racing career left have gone on to some recreational mushers. But um, generally, I think a lot of them have just gone to families with active homes and active lifestyles. Um, here and there, there's a more laid-back older dog and a more laid-back person, um, so it's actually a, a great match, you know. Um, but generally, I think um, most of the dogs have gone to homes that, that aren't involved in mushing, and that's the great thing, too, about the August Fun because, you know, we, we get the personalities and, and learn all about the dogs to the mushers and then do the same thing um, with the folks that we place them with, you know, because you don't want to place a really active dog into a household that's not really active. Um, so we work really hard on making sure um, that it's the right dog for the right fit with the right family. And I think overall we've had uh, a lot of successes. Um, obviously, it's not always a success. Um, and Julie has um, taken back a few dogs into her foster care when it doesn't work out um, for whatever reason. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work out, and, and she wants to take them back personally to make sure that we're going to work on a, a good situation and get that dog into the right home. So how do you guys deal with uh, medical issues? I can imagine that some sled dogs, uh, their career is shortened from, you know, things like diabetes or epilepsy or something like that. How do you deal with that? Are you guys set up to fund something like that? And how is that passed along to the new owner? Well, that, this is Julie, that, that's something, um, thankfully we, you know, because these dogs, the majority are very healthy already um, because they have a marathon runner's um, heart and lungs. Um, when we take them to vets for vet checks and they run the, the usual checks, they're always surprised to learn how old the dog actually is. Um, even by sight, people are surprised how old a dog is and doesn't look it. So we've been pretty lucky in that respect. We, we don't have a ton of funds right now for, um, for, you know, granting, um, help to people who call us. Occasionally we get people that say, you know, I have this dog and, you know, that we'd love to help, but we don't always have that, um, that, you know, saved up, but that's something we want to do in the future. We've been trying to raise more funds so that we have um, that ability. Uh, we also have a laser therapy, um, cold laser therapy machine that we've uh, been uh, working towards uh, paying on so that we can offer some of those uh, types of therapies for the older dogs that have arthritis from running so long and um, help help them age uh, much more comfortably. We also have uh, agreements with a few different vets around the Anchorage area 
who help us out um, with spay and neuters, low cost, and we we pass that along to the the people who adopt. Um, and so we, you know, we really try to work with people. And if if situation arises, then we'll try to do a fundraiser for that specific need. And people have always responded well and helped us out. Speaking of fundraising, are a lot of your funds coming in through the adoption fees? I think you had mentioned it was $150. And if, if not, what are some other things that you do? Do you have a PayPal page or something like that? Or do you have you know things like bake sales and that sort of thing? Where do you guys <laughs> uh, raise your money from? Well, Janine can talk about some of the crafts that she does that helps us. And then we um, we also have T-shirts that we sell. We have a calendar. Um, we, we have, have a lady someone making ornaments for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, this gal that actually um, didn't adopt a dog through us. She adopted one through Ed Steelstra in, in uh, um, Lower 48. And she wanted to honor her dog that just passed and volunteered to make ornaments that we could sell. So it's just, it's, it's kind of neat. And then we had um, some folks actually using their birthdays as fundraisers to Facebook now. Um, but we do have a website with a support us link that's through PayPal and credit card and um, standard donations. And then you get the tax deductible notification back with it. Um, and, you know, we don't really get a lot from the from the the adoption fee. We keep it pretty reasonable at 150, and sometimes we waive it depending on the circumstances. And usually, what happens is that 150, we turn around and and spay or neuter a dog for the same amount. So there's not a lot of extra there. Uh, but we have been doing I a lot think- more more. Things. I was going to say yeah. too. I think Ju- Julie's pretty understanding with people, and I'd say a lot of the times we we or she ends up waiving the fee so the dog can get fixed, and we can make sure that the dog ends up in the right home. Right, and, and as I know that you guys are, are aware, but maybe not our listeners, is it it's extremely expensive to take care of multiple dogs like that. And you had mentioned it's possible that you may have you know, an entire team of 10 or 12 come in and that's a, that's a big expense right off the bat. Do you guys uh, use that fundraising money to, to operate that? Or is a lot of this just going in through uh, other types of donations, maybe in-kind donations? Well, we, um, this is Julie. We have a combination that we do. We, uh, some mushers will uh, send a bag of dog food along with the dog when they, they drop them off to us. Some will send us uh, a few hundred dollars to help with the spay and neuter. Some mushers have been great, very gracious. Some can't afford it, and that's fine. Um, we have had, uh, you know, we use a lot of the donations that go towards um, the food, you know, because last summer we did have a, what was it? We had, uh, yeah, about 12 dogs from one kennel come, come and foster because their kennel was in Healy. And it's hard to get people to drive to Healy to look at a dog that they might take home or might not take home. So we had them come into Eagle River where we were at the time. Um, And we were graciously actually living at another musher's home who had moved out of state. And so that that helped us get started with fostering. 
So we combine a lot of different things, fundraising, uh, musher contributions, uh, donations from the public, um, a lot of different ways of, and we kind of cobble it together and pay for good quality food. And we do get discounts on food um, in kind from like Honest Kitchen and from um, some, uh, you know, other entities like Mike's Meats provides us with discounted bones and really good meat and things like that. So so my last question, and of course you guys can mention anything you like, is what's coming up in the future? It sounds like that you guys are doing pretty well together and you're, you're working things out through your little team of volunteers and the vets and all that. What's happening in the near future? Are you trying to expand this to go – um, to, to be more aware, you know, maybe a little bit more outside of Alaska or what? This is Julie. What what we want to do is now that we've got a an official location that we can have, um, you know, foster dog, multiple dogs here at this location and it's approved by the animal control and all of that, um, we want to be able to evolve towards um, – not some. We don't want to have just a big dog yard full of dogs. We want to. We want to encourage more people to foster. For one, they can come here initially, and then we can have others foster and be part of the network. And then we'd like to be able to offer more, um, you know, vet help and things like that. So we are working on some some partnering agreements with some new veterinarians in the area to hopefully. Um, be able to offer just more you know we'd like to to help mushers because we know it's expensive um, you know when you have an issue we've also asked to be a part of what's going on with Iditarod and their best care practices we you know are are asking them to um, include what happens to the dogs after they stop racing in their new best practices that they're coming up with Um you know, make that a part of it too. And we're here to help with that. So we just want to just keep growing and evolving and, and helping more and, and get the word out more. Janine? I um, moved down. Yeah. I moved down to, um, to Homer a couple of years ago. I, I used to live in Girdwood and right now um, the Julie, like I said, is the blood, sweat and tears of everything with doing the fostering. Um, and a lot of that stuff. And I'm hoping at some point that we're going to be able to buy some land down here in Homer in the hopefully near future, but not really sure. And my goal too down the line, once um, we're in a position to be able to, is also to be able to foster and have some, some land down here where we live um, to kind of help that burden as well of being able to take in dogs and, and, you know, in the lower Kenai Peninsula down here, um, maybe getting some dogs into some great homes as well. We're hoping to work with Alaska Airlines in the future so that we can get dogs on flights to the lower 48 and and adopt them, you know, more of them down there. Because as more people find out about us, then we have more dogs to place. We need to spread it, so we're, spread we're, it around. We're definitely going to put all of your social media and websites and all on your show notes page. But my last question or last comment, and hopefully you guys can expand on this a little bit, uh, maybe you, Janine, you had mentioned at the top a little bit of August's story. And, you know, uh-huh. this is a dog show, so I'd love to end it on a story about <laughs> August. It doesn't necessarily have to be about how he came into your life, maybe just a, a story about uh, – you know, what he's doing these days. 
what he's up to these days. Well, right now he's currently sleeping on um, his orthopedic dog bed, <laughs> and he just finished a uh, a bone that had some peanut butter in it. That's our Sunday snack. Um, but um, I don't know. He's just he's living the life. He was um, definitely a, a different kind of guy transitioning. He was a really kind of skittish and nervous guy. And I think the thing that was so special about August was just watching the transition um, from him going to be, you know, being this working dog that had never lived in a house and and wasn't really sure um, what the next chapter of his life held. And then slowly over time, watching the transition, um, watching him finally wag his tail and take a treat out of my hand. And, and I think just putting two and two together, like realizing, okay, the situation is weird. But once he realized what it was all about, um, it was just, it was really heartwarming watching him start to come out of his shell and start to transition into a, a quote unquote normal dog life, you know, and when people come into our house now watching August get up and go to the door to greet them, you know, when we first got him, um, he didn't do anything like that. He probably would have ran upstairs to hide. So um, I, I guess that's the, the coolest part about August is just watching him transition um, from a guy that wasn't sure he wanted to be a part of our household to the guy that pretty much runs our household now. <laughs> right. And, and is, am I correct? He's been with you since the beginning in 2012. He is. He is the reason Julie and I came together was this old man, August. Um, he's going on, we think about 13 and a half now. Um, and, and yeah, he, um, you wouldn't know it by looking at him. That's the other great thing about these dogs. You know, when people are questioning whether or not they want to adopt a quote unquote old dog, if you adopt these dogs at 10 years old, I mean, some of them live to be 16, 17 years old is not uncommon at all. Um, and he still keeps up with the, with the best of them. My other dog, Jack's about six and a half and they still play and, and have a good time. And, um, you know, they, they live, um, as athletes their whole life. So, um, they have a pretty healthy lifestyle and they just keep going. Awesome guys. Hang on the line until we close here so we can talk, but otherwise, I want to thank our guests today, Julie St. Louis and Janine Armour. They are uh, the the folks behind the August Fund, which is a organization that helps place uh, retired sled dogs from professional kennels like the Iditarod and the Yukon Quest and some sprint mushing here and there. And they're doing great work. And make sure you check out their website and social media. It's right here on the show page. Thank you guys for joining us. And this is Robert Forto on behalf of Mushing Radio. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye.